You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. Welcome back to the Locked On Hornets podcast. We're celebrating opening night with our first ticket giveaway of the season. Tomorrow night, Nada, finally, Milwaukee Bucks come into town and we're celebrating with our first ticket giveaway. We've got two free tickets for one of our Twitter followers, and then we have two other free tickets for one of our Patreon followers. To win, it's simple. Follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Hornets and retweet our pinned tweet. You can double your chances to win by supporting us on Patreon, and you can go to patreon.com slash LOH, and for just a dollar a month, you can keep our podcast going and double your shot to opening night tickets. So, once again, all you have to do is follow us on Locked On at Locked On Hornets and retweet our pinned tweet, and you can double your chances to win by supporting us at Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash LOH, and for just $1 a month, you can keep getting the benefits of winning the free tickets and the free bobbleheads and all the stuff that we're going to be giving away over the course of this season. So check it out. It'll be a lot of fun. Again, Milwaukee Bucks in town tomorrow night for the season opener. And remember, that is a 30th anniversary night. So we're going to open. Yep, it's going to be a classic night. We're going to open up the season with a bang with the Charlotte Hornets welcoming the Milwaukee Bucks and having all of the butt swoosh and everything good that's going on here as far as nostalgia, which not I know you're a big fan of. Oh, yes, I love it (laughs) so much. Walker Mail and Nada Edwards here with you today. Still no Doug Branson, but we will replace him right now by heading to the Locked On Hornets guest line with Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer. You can catch him on Twitter at Rick underscore Bennell and catch all of his work as well on his Twitter handle again at or Rick uh, at Rick underscore Bennell. Uh, Rick, thanks for joining us, man. How are you doing? I'm great. There is no replacing Doug Branson. There really isn't, right? There's only one Doug, <laughs> and we, we call our Doug fans Dougaholics here on the Locked On Hornets podcast, and there are quite a few of them. I'm sure you're not surprised to hear about. But, Rick, let's dive into a couple of interesting things we got to hear from Mitch Kupchak and James Borrego and a couple of other guys yesterday within the Charlotte Hornets organization. And some interesting things coming out. Uh, just real quickly, getting to the 15th roster spot. So they get Joe Chile on a two-way contract. That was the next two-way contract they signed a player to after J.P. Makura earlier this offseason. But the 15th roster spot, they're, they're going to keep open. And interesting reasoning from Mitch Kupchak. What did you make of his answer? Just to, just to bounce to the macro on that for a minute, I thought it was really interesting. Bobby Marks um, mentioned on Twitter um, this morning that there are only 10 open roster spots in the entire league. Now, that's a little bit, bit misleading in the sense that, you know, obviously there are other roster spots with unguaranteed contracts. But, Walker, what I think is interesting about this is um, that it was not Mitch's design to do that, but now that that's happened, I think it creates some interesting potential as far as um, flexibility if, uh, if a trade opportunity comes up. Uh, you know, an awful lot of times... You know, whoever has cap space, and they don't, but whoever has cap space and whoever has roster spots gets an awful lot of phone calls from people trying to um, make tweaks to their roster. If you, can, if you have an open roster spot where somebody else can slide something in, you might be able to take advantage of another team. I, I bring that up because that was a classic Bob Bass trick in years gone by. He liked to be one of the few general managers with cap space, and he liked to be one of the few general managers who wasn't locked into a maximum number of 
guaranteed contracts because he knew that that would make the phone ring. And Mitch Kupchak also getting into Kimball Walker's upcoming free agency. And Rick, I know he was asked about that and you were there to hear his comments on uh, Kimball Walker basically just saying, you know, well, they hope that he'll be a Charlotte Hornet. They hope that he'll be in a Charlotte Hornet uniform for years to come. But you know, right now, just that maybe there's not a whole lot to do. What did you make of Mitch Kupchak's answer on that? Um, Walker, there's nothing to do, and that's what makes this situation a little bit confounding. Um, the way that the NBA collective bargaining agreement works, there is absolutely no practical way that they can sign Kamba to a contract extension. It, he has to become an unrestricted free agent before they could give him um, a contract that would be competitive in the marketplace for a top-line point guard. So... Um, this is kind of going to be a, you know, um, you know, put your put your um, fingers in your ears and go na 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 for the next six months because there's nothing they can do about this. Um, I totally believe them that their intention is to keep Kemba. I totally believe Kemba that his preference is to stay here. But until until um, um, signature is to piece of paper. There's a lot more about this that it's going to have to ramble through. And so when you look at Kimba Walker, and I know James Brago was talking about Kimba's willingness to give up the ball, and it seemed like both of these guys want to win, of course, a playoff series, as that's the objective for a lot of different situations. Maybe not every single one with teams that have tanking in mind, but certainly that's the goal is to win and then to win a playoff series and get as far as you possibly can. And they noted how long it's been since we've won a playoff series here in Charlotte. What did you think of their acknowledgement of how long it's been since uh, successful in a playoff series? I thought it was really interesting that James Borrego, who grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico, spent his college career in San Diego and had spent the vast majority of his NBA coaching career so far in San Antonio, was so in tune with um, NBA um, history in Charlotte that, you know, he was the one that pointed out um, without prompting that it's been like 17 years since an NBA fan in Charlotte has seen uh, the local team get to the second round of the playoffs, he, he the, the reason that brought up is you know when he was when he was asked about you know Kemba sort of uh, being flexible and conforming to doing things that you know that are a little bit different than what he's been asked to do in the past. Basically, JB's explanation for that was that Kemba, like the rest of us, are, is damn sick of not winning a playoff series, so he's willing to, you know, um, um, experiment a little bit in order to give them the best chance of doing that. I, I just, I, I guess I just found it interesting that JB was the one who hmm. reminded the whole town just how long this has been. Yeah, and it's been since 2001-2002 since they beat the Magic in the first round. They actually lost to the Nets. The Bucks series was the year prior when they actually went seven games, and they lost to the Nets the following year. They only picked up one game in that series. Rick, just to go off topic for a little bit here, what, what did you remember the most about that specific team that went to the back-to-back, at least second round uh, of the NBA playoffs? Did you have something particular interesting or something you particularly liked about that team or those couple teams? Um, that that the town by that point had already sort of gone to bed on on the Hornets and through no fault of the players. Everybody was just so 
you know, um, angry at, at, at Shin and Wooldridge at that point that I think that they, they that the team was just completely disregarded. To me, the more interesting aspect of that was, you know, they basically had the Bucks beaten the year before, and that would have been um, the what the first and to this point only trip to um, to a conference final. Um, Derek Coleman walked off the court without telling anybody he was hurt. And that was the beginning of the end of that series. It was really bizarre in every sense, except it was something you would, uh, frankly, expect Derek Coleman, of all people, to do. Um, I wonder to this day if they had gotten to the conference final, if that would have had any effect on the uh, on the political situation as far as whether the town would have would have figured out a way to build the arena before the team left town. No, that's a great point. And Rick, just real quickly, comparing that team to the LJ and Zoe and Muggsy era team, I mean, do you think that team that lost to the Milwaukee Bucks in seven games, do you think that was the best team in Hornets history, or do you think you would have to go with Zoe and and uh, Muggsy Bogues and that team back in 92, 93, that era? You, what you just asked me is the difference between talent and experience and refinement. Uh, the team that was here the last two years um, was full of people who had been through experiences that at that time, Larry Johnson and Alonzo Mourning and Kendall Gill hadn't gotten to. Walker, you and I talked about this several times before that I always wonder, and I know that Muggsy and Dell wonder about this because I've talked to them about it, what that group could have been if they had somehow figured out a way to keep it from breaking up so soon over the fact that once the precedent was set with Larry Johnson's contract, it really became it, it became a, a huge mess about how to figure out a way to make Zoe happy for the long haul here. It was always fun to think about, at least. Maybe it's not fun to think about if, if something good could have came from that, but always interesting, to say the least, to think about those potential teams. Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer joining us here on the Lockdown Hornets guest line. And Rick, you wrote an article about Jeremy Lamb, and he's, always, he's been a, a topic of discussion quite a bit, especially under Borrego, continuing his positive trajectory going forward with Jeremy. He's going to be named a starter, and it's not going to be because of injury. It's going to be because Jeremy Lamb has has earned the starting spot and quite quickly really that first Boston Celtics game he really made an impression over Malik Monk who he is battling for that starting uh, shooting guard spot for just in your article about Jeremy kind of taking him a while to develop as a starter in the NBA what, what was particularly interesting to you about writing that article and, and some information coming across uh, I thought what was interesting Walker to some degree was that um, this this uh, preseason was appropriately labeled in advance a time of experimentation. And I'm not saying that experimentation didn't happen, but it didn't happen as as long as I thought it would. I, I certainly thought that the two huge questions that were left open going into Chapel Hill were who would be the starting, starting shooting guard and who would be the backup center. And does it not seem like those decisions were made fairly early in the preseason. Part of that was, frankly, that Malik got himself hurt in training camp, missed three practices in a game. I don't mean to sound like that was like a death knell for his chances, but it 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 started the, the uh, snowball rolling down the hill that became Jeremy clearly the starter. Um, I think in the other regard, um, Willie Hernan Gomez, we, all, we had all heard, and we saw some evidence of this in, in Las Vegas, that he had a terrific off season. 
I would argue that the most uh, positive development since uh, the end of April for the Hornets has been the extent to which Billy is realizing his potential. He makes $1.5 million this season. He is he looks to me to be clearly the most cost-effective player on this team, which is only fair because Bismarck Biombo is making $17 million a year to be a doorstop. Rick, Devontae Graham, we had a chance to talk with him earlier on the wake-up call this morning. And Devontae Graham is an interesting guy who certainly does not look like your typical second-rounder. Looks like there is a lot of talent to be tapped into there. What do you make of Devontae Graham this season with the Hornets and his future? What what do you want to see from him? (laughs) The first thing I would say is that the... um it, it's a it's a fighting chance to break with the pathetic second round history um, since the NBA came back to Charlotte. Um, when Jeff Taylor is the best example you have of, of a second round pick, that's, um, that's it's not great. No. <laughs> um, Devonte is very very mature. He's a real contrast from what um, we've come to, to expect in, in NBA rookies in the sense that he was there four years. He's very in charge of himself. He's a very quick learner. Having said that, I think it's really important that people understand that that doesn't mean that he's going to be in the rotation in a week or maybe even a month from now. Uh, they brought Tony Parker in here for a reason, and as long as his body holds up, he's going to play 15 minutes a night. And Devani's job right now is to watch and learn. Uh, I think that he will spend the vast majority of games this season um, with the Hornets because you never want to be without um, knowing who your third point guard is going to be if people get hurt in the game. But if I were the Hornets and I can find ways to sneak them up to Greensboro to get some run, I do that as often as practical. Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer joining us as he does every Tuesday here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Rick, thanks so much for joining us. Always have a good time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Walker. All right. Once again, that was Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer. You can catch him and his work at Rick underscore Bennell on Twitter. Great stuff as always. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with more here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. You are listening to the Lockdown Hornets podcast. The one draft pick you hit on was Kimba Walker, and you, you drafted Bismack Biombo before him. Oh! You got it right the second time, which is great. I am smart. SMRT. But you drafted Biombo before Kimba Walker. So, <laughs> again, you almost messed that one up as well. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Welcome back to the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Nothing beats the thrill of watching your favorite teams and your favorite artists perform live. And Vivid Seats is here to help you find your seat to a Panthers game, a Hornets game, a concert, or a show. Vivid Seats offers great prices and a purchasing experience that is super easy. And all Vivid Seats confirmed orders are backed by a 100% guarantee. It's 100%, so you can't beat that. Supporting Vivid Seats means you're supporting this show. So what you need to do is you need to go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. You can enter promo code LOCKEDON to receive $20 off orders of $200 or more. That's Locked On, all one word, and you will get $20 off of your order of $200 or more at Vivid Seats. So Mitch Kupchak spoke to the media for the final time before the season begins. 
and some interesting things about all of the different storylines that have developed throughout this offseason. And of course, the Kimba Walker free agency that is going to be coming up at the end of this season. And you heard us talk with Rick Bennell just there that there's nothing the Charlotte Hornets can do right now. Not at all. And nor, sh- I mean, this was the case ever since July 1. Like, what are we expecting at this point? Because we knew that it makes no financial sense. In fact, if he's signed an extension, his agent should be fired on the spot. As soon as that ink's dry, you fire your agent because that means he's possibly killed all your leverage. (laughs) So now you have this Kimball Walker situation here. And Mitch answering that, quote, if we play well and we're fun to watch and we win games, everything will take care of itself. That's really the bottom line in this business. So, again, do you think all of this now, does it slow down the Kimball Walker is going to leave chatter? Absolutely not, because, again, as someone that works for the Internet (laughs) and writes for the Internet, I need content. And if the Hornets start off really slow, do you know what the first thing I'm going to do, even though I'm going to want to bathe myself in bleach is? What's that? I'm going to be writing about Kemba Walker trade rumors. <laughs> Content's got to go, man. Content's yeah. got to go. Because it is what the people call for. It is the supply and the demand. People want the Kemba Walker news, and we will have to supply it for them. So I agree with you. It's not going to slow it down because people are all going to be interested, but it is going to be probably probably the same answer every single time. There's just nothing they can do. He re- said he doesn't want to talk about no, it. No, he did. And so did Kemba, and too bad. Because it's probably going to continue to happen, especially in the national media spotlight. So interesting other stuff. Just I want a quick hit on a couple of things Rick and I talked about, Nada, and just some other things that maybe we didn't get to. Last roster spot, interesting. He went to previous regime and how they would keep one open in case somebody ever wanted to call, knock on the door of Mitch Kupchak and say, hey, would you be willing to take this guy because you have an open roster spot and maybe some type of money to give him because you have the open roster spot. There's not going to be a whole lot. I know they're sound capped out yeah that the big thing for that for me at least was i thought there was a chance dragon bender would show up here because i know phoenix was looking to dump salary to get underneath the luxury tax threshold and dragon bender a guy that's possibly been kind of underwhelming would be an interesting fit here considering that frank kamensky is on his way out and you can always use another seven footer that can shoot threes at a decent clip I do think it's also very interesting that he that Rick did mention that that again we're talking about an open spot on a team that is playoff bound. That's bound to come up at some point if there's a two for one swap. If you have to swap money, and if this team is in contention come February, that four, that fifteenth roster spot is going to come in handy. So you mean like Dragon Bender, just like anybody any player like Dragon? Like why were you so on Dragon? Because I think Phoenix is looking to dump him. I honestly do think Phoenix is looking to dump him. And as far as a project goes, as far as a guy that you can stash in Greensboro, get his mind right, develop him right. If the player development is the focus of the Charlotte Hornets, you're going to have to take chances on guys like Dragon Bender going forward and maybe rehab them and then re-sign them for relatively cheap and or possibly trade them. Well, I'd be yeah, I'd just be interested in any kind of project that the Hornets would be willing to take on. And it'd be interesting to see if if maybe you trade a guy like Frank Kaminsky. Again, we've talked about the value of him for a second round pick for somebody that maybe another team has given up on that because of your newfound player development regime here with Borrego and Mitch Kupchak, I wonder if you would take a chance on just anybody, any any young player 
on a rookie deal, I think it'd be prudent. I think it'd be franchise malpractice. I'd go as far as that saying, (laughs) you know, if there's a chance that you can develop a guy and he turns into something and you have that roster spot with the fact that nobody's really signing here until you start really winning games, I think you have to take those kind of chances. His goal, Mitch Kupchak, with the Charlotte Hornets, it's definitely to make the playoffs. When he was asked about that, he said, quote, that's our goal. I think the team has a great mix of veteran players. If you have a lot of veteran players, then you're looking to make the playoffs. I think we've got some players that are younger that can contribute, but our goal is to make the playoffs. And that's certainly no surprise, as you've seen every single move they've made this offseason. Getting a guy like Tony Parker to try to help be the experienced one, also mentoring the younger players, but somebody that can contribute as a backup point guard that they haven't had. They've had a lot of moves that insinuate, we are going to go after it. You are not going to get a rebuild, at least right now. They don't have a choice, because if you're trying to do a rebuild, do you know who the first person that's going to be asking out of this situation? Right. Kemba Walker. Yeah, and so Kemba has made it clear, at least earlier this summer and there'll be no rebuild yeah he doesn't want to be a part of it if there is going to be one and they do plan on keeping Kim and Charlotte as we've talked about that and I wonder you know what they're going to be able to do signing Kimba Walker you know if if he is going to come back here of course that's going to be the main thing but again it's uh it's something that will play itself out at the end of this season Mitch Kupchak was also asked about Miles Bridges and the where he is right now in his development it's certainly the number one storyline i would imagine of the preseason nada mm-hmm. finally a rookie here in charlotte doing a lot of really good things and ending on a pretty good note in the last game of the preseason Cupcheck said quote i think a great way to look at it is you look at Devonte, you look at miles and i think Devonte has a four-year starter as has a certain presence on the court and if you look at them as both 20-year-olds, you might say Devontae just has a better presence, but that's because he played four years in college. Now, Miles has only played two years in college, and there's not that much difference between the two. So remember when we go back to Summer League, you could tell that Devontae was the better player between the two in an NBA. Yeah, he's uniform. further ahead. And now you look at just all of the growth that Miles Bridges has undergone this since summer league I think you know now you're seeing Mitch Kupchak say that these guys are so close and it's just interesting maybe that's something people forget about Devontae played four years at Kansas Miles played two years at Michigan State so maybe that is why Devontae Graham looks so much better in summer league but Miles did get better every game at summer league and of course he's looked fantastic this preseason but that's that's the reason why and I know Doug is one of those people that doesn't necessarily believe in this but I'm one of those people that do, do quite frankly This is why you draft those two-year players. This is why you don't draft the upperclassmen because there is a ceiling. There is a limit to how good they can be because if they were good enough to get out at two years, they'd have been gone. But unfortunately for Devontae, he wasn't out in in two years like Miles, and he's out in four, and this is what happens. There's always going to be a cap. There's always going to be a ceiling. And development-wise, Miles is – the one thing I do want to say about Miles – is that I just don't want to see him get too much too soon and overwhelm him and throw a shock to the system. Because that's one thing I do worry about with a guy like Miles Bridges. Give him what give him what he needs, play him at the three, play him at the four. But his development this year is key. Anything he gives you is a bonus at this point. If you're relying on him to do more than that, then I think you're already in trouble. Well, and this roster is made up to not put too much on his plate. I hope so. And well, and Mitch Kupchak, well, he talks about it, right, with all the veterans that they have. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't have to put too much on his plate when you have Marvin Williams, 
an experienced defender who can also shoot from beyond the arc so well. You don't have to have Miles Bridges come in and play that four. You know, at the three spot, you've got Nick Batum. You know, Miles ain't playing the two, and so the no, the, the, no so right, no. so it's all about three or four, and you know maybe sometimes small ball five, but I can't imagine we see uh, any of that. I I, know I don't want to see small ball five right. from Miles Bridges in year one, right? And so you know, I would imagine Marvin Williams is going to be your guy. So when you look at Miles having too much to handle on his plate, like you hear this with Ron Rivera talk about DJ Moore all the time, mm-hmm. like DJ Moore's a situation. I kind of want more on his plate. Miles Bridges, he's kind of in a situation in the NBA where you don't have to have that with Marvin, with MKG, with Nick Batum, all playing in that front court. I I think they're going to play him whenever they see fit. And I get that. I guess if he shows he can handle more, then give him more. But let this go slowly with him, at least in the first couple of games, because what he does isn't going to dictate whether they win or lose games, or at least not yet. And if you put that on a rookie, as I said before, then you're in bigger trouble than you think. Another thing I thought was the last thing here we'll, we'll talk about that we didn't address with Rick or just here in the segment after is Mitch discussing the schedule. When he was asked about this year's schedule, he opens up with, quote, it's a little bit of a concern, <laughs> right? So then he decides to go in. Even if we don't start out as good as we'd like to start out, there's plenty of time to make it up and catch up. It's Excuse not, me? It's not like our schedule is any different from anybody else's. It's 41 home. It's 41 away. So I think everybody has the same challenges. I think our schedule is more front-loaded with home games because of our commitments with the All-Star Game and the ACC Tournament at the second half of the year. So yeah, four of our first five are on the road, but mostly it's front-loaded with home games. You'd like to have three or two or two and three rather than one and four, but I think it turns quickly and we can make up anything that may happen. So you're discussing with this schedule, one, he thinks it's a little bit of a concern, but then he starts to break it down a little bit more. Like Zach Lowe came out with a piece that we'll talk about a little bit in this next segment, but one of the things Zach Lowe talks about is the last 20 games are hell for the Charlotte Hornets and that they better be pretty solidified in one of those six, seven, eight spots if they're going to make the postseason. Here, Mitch Kupchak mentioning that it's front-loaded. I agree it's front-loaded. I've written that it's front loaded. You can go check that under my author link on the on my Twitter account. Yes, that's a shameless plug. Go ahead. No, no shame in the game. More importantly, though, this team has 26, I believe, road games after Jan 1. That's the most in the league, I might add. And they have 15, they have 10 back to backs, all 10, I'm sorry, 10 road back to backs. That's a lot. If this team does not win early, I'm not sure, barring a trade for a superstar, which I'm pretty sure the Hornets don't have the cachet to do in terms of trade pieces. Unless there's a superstar coming in late in the, in the year, there's no way that they're making it up. There's no way they're making it up if they're that far in the hole by Jan 1. All right, one more segment to go. Locked on NBA never went away, and it's still here for you every day. Locked on NBA is your daily national NBA podcast. Every Monday, get the local experts on the biggest stories, and then stay with Locked on NBA all week long with daily 30 minutes on everything going on in the National Basketball Association. Follow for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcasts locked on NBA. We'll take one more break. We'll take a a quick break and come back with a segment of Zach Lowe's predictions. One of them happens to be about Kimba Walker and where he's going to re-sign. Stick around with us here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Walker Mail alongside Nada Edwards. 
are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. I saw one horror Christmas film in my entire life, at least that I can think of, and it was for film class, and it was about an evil Santa Claus. So it was like Krampus. It actually was Santa Claus with uh, Tim Allen. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Welcome back to the Lockdown Hornets podcast. We're coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. We actually got to see Mr. Jeffrey Gittimer and Doug Branson today. Lucky yes, us. Got exactly. To, got to see him, but Doug can't hop on the show because he's got too much. He's he's going to be gone. I didn't realize he was going to be gone so long, but and there's a chance we don't see him again on the show until early November. Yeah, that was the big thing. That's why that's why I'm kind of necessary at this point because I'm going to be doing a bunch of the production for him because that road schedule that Doug is on is similar to the Hornets. It's that bad. It's it's a lot. He's going to Atlanta. He's going to Dallas, right? He's flying to Dallas tomorrow. No, Philly tomorrow. Philly tomorrow. Dallas next week. Unreal. Yeah. Philly tomorrow, Dallas next week, and I know there's a trip to Atlanta at least some point. Exactly, that I am going on to. Well, that'll be a solo week. That'll be at least no, 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 a, a no, no, solo no, no, couple no, no, of days. No. I'm not going to be that. I'm not going to be gone that long. All right. Well, then we'll have you on the show at least a couple of times. But uh, yeah, Doug not going to be here for a while, so that's why we had to replace him with Rick Bennell. Maybe can we have the daily Rick Bennell podcast? Have he just come on and help us out? That'd be fun. Rick would get sick of us within <laughs> 48 would, hours. He would get sick with us in 48 minutes. Maybe 24 minutes. Maybe hey, split, probably right. split the half, uh, split that time right in half. So let's talk about Zach Lowe's article. He owned Zach Lowe, guy everybody respects, reads uh, everything that he puts out there. You know, Kimba Walker, he's got a prediction on him, and it's that he does indeed re signed in Charlotte. Yeah. So Zach Lowe discussing Charlotte is hell bent on making the playoffs, provided they are in the race at the trade deadline. It would be shocking if they dealt Kemba Walker. Walker might not carry as much trade value as Charlotte hopes. Some teams in dire need of a point guard will prefer to take their chances in free agency. But then he talks about how good Kemba Walker is, and those are the things that maybe contributes to Kemba staying here in Charlotte. I thought, you know, when you look at some of these other things that Zach mentions, he mentions that the Cavs would have flipped the number eight pick for Walker had LeBron committed to re-signing. So I'm interested in, in maybe if the Charlotte Hornets would have actually dealt Kemba in that situation. I I I don't think so because I think it's a horrible look just to get the eight pick for your franchise's best player ever. I think it's a horrible look. I would it would have been tempting though, and I would have wondered to see what they would have done overall to rebuild this team if they had done that. Well, and it'd be in. I mean, the thing about trading Kimba Walker in that scenario is. One, you wouldn't have to risk him leaving for nothing, and you would get the number eight overall pick on top of having another first-round pick. So starting this rebuild, you would have had Miles Bridges, Devontae Graham, assuming they would have still taken Miles Bridge, Bridges with the other pick. No, I believe had. they would have. Right, and so or traded for him at least. Maybe you could have gotten a Shea Gilgis-Alexander alongside if you would have traded Kemba. So you would have had SGA, maybe another point guard. that If that would have been the eight pick, Maybe they decide to go Colin Sexton. I don't know. But they would have gotten a point guard. They would have had Miles Bridges to go alongside Malik Monk. It would be interesting to see if they would have decided to rebuild if LeBron James would have decided to 
commit long-term to Cleveland. Or a guy like Kevin Knox, who we know Mitch was fascinated yep. with. And it turns out that's looking a pretty, pretty good. Yeah, right? like there, there's a possibility it would have been Knox Bridges and then Monk goes more to a combo point guard. And it turns that up-tempo style and it makes some, it makes it an interesting discussion to have. Yeah. So and anyway, Zach, he does mention that, that Cleveland would have been down to flip their number eight pick because they would have been a player away from maybe really competing with Golden State. I, you know, have that conversation wherever. I, I don't the know. The only team that's competing, and, and I know I'm blowing tomorrow's show with our league predictions, the only team capable of competing with Golden State is Boston. That's it. No one else. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think maybe Houston. Like, I just, no, but I them think, losing the defenders, it's no, going to be tough for them. Th- their window is shut. And they didn't get anybody that I think can adequately defend well enough to replace Ariza and Bahamute. Yeah, Melo didn't do that for you <laughs> on that end of the court. The first time, the next time Melo plays defense will be the first, I might add. Right. So, Kimball Walker. Again, mentioning that he will be 29 at the end of the season, and uh, it Zach Lowe discusses that it's not ancient, so it, it, teams should not just completely stay away from him because it's not it doesn't make him the oldest player in the world. You're still going to get a couple of prime Kimba Walker years, and then he'll be maybe you signed him to a four year, five year deal. He's done by the age of 33 on that deal, and then you start to have a little bit more cost appropriate contract yeah. for him at the end of this big one that he's going to get. But it, it does make some sense for teams to sign Kimba because shooting, he mentioned, it does not go away. It does not age. It still will be there. Sometimes it improves. Yeah, and and sometimes it does. So he mentions that. But interesting, you know, with all the Kimba Walker talk, you know, about whether you let him leave, whether you let him stay, or try to keep him as well, what the right decision is. Zach Lowe, at least he predicts that he is going to stay here in a Charlotte Hornets uniform. All right, that'll do it here for the lockdown. Well, one thing we Go got to say, we got to say happy trails to our boy Nick Denning, who's leaving at the Hive. Um, one of our favorite guests, one of my favorite people. It's kind of sad to see him go, but I understand. And as I know, he's looking at this. Don't don't drink. Be drinking coffee out of one of your weird cups, Nick. Please, <laughs> yeah, I ask that much. Yeah, we still do need to get him on because I again, he's an OG guest on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. I haven't spent a whole lot of time getting to talk to him. I have read all of his stuff on AtTheHive.com, and so now that he's going to be gone, uh, at the Hive, losing a couple people, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Josh Priamski was the main editor, and he stepped away. It's going to be an interesting time in the Charlotte Hornets blogosphere. Right. And like, so, I'm the OG now. This is not, this is weird. <laughs> so now we'll still go after Nick Denning, and I'm sure he'll still be able to give us a couple of, uh, when we have him film in or we have him come in via the yeah, camera. Yeah, exactly. He'll right. zoom in with his weird cups. There'll yeah. be video of it, and I'll be upset. Yeah, that'll be good. We'll still try to have Nick Denning on every once in a while. All right, that'll really do it for the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Thanks for listening to Lockdown Hornets. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown Hornets. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Lockdown Hornets. Remember the ticket giveaway. Go to Patreon.com, or you can follow us on Twitter. Retweet or pin tweet. And we'll pick one of our followers and one of our followers on Patreon. Remember, go to patreon.com slash Hornets if you want to enter in both ways to try to get those tickets for tomorrow night's game against the Milwaukee Bucks. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. See you guys. <laughs>